Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. On today's show, we have reached our milestone 10th episode, and our series is How to Survive Through Adversity. Uh, Dr. Bernstein, Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with 48 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. Welcome back, Peter. Thank you. Well, you know what? Before we get started, um, I'm not used to doing radio broadcasts, and uh, one of the things that I'm realizing is I've been doing work with people in some very serious situations for over 48 years, and that includes my own life. And there's a way that I relate to that, to to get people through very intense experiences. And I have to keep myself shut down a little bit. But I think when it comes to radio, this is different. And I, you know, we could say I want to, my name is Peter, not just Dr. Bernstein. I, I live by that in my community. And most people in this community know that, know that, not just because I like it, but because I'm a fellow traveler in this life, and I'm very human. And that's the way I like to be. And I, 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 my, most of my work as a psychotherapist, I always hoped would be permeated with my previous life, where I was in the construction work and construction business in New Jersey. Well, I don't want to lose that on this. I want to make sure that we convey some very important, hopeful messages uh, to folks that are struggling and need our help, but I don't want to convey it in a way that seems so dry or therapeutic. I certainly don't want to do that. Um, or something that you, whether you lose your interest because it's, it's a little too heavy. So I want to make sure that I'm talking to all the folks that are listening where you need me, where you need our information, where you need our encouragement and support. I'm not interested in putting anything in the way. And I'm very interested in whatever it takes to get anything I'm doing that is getting in the way getting it out of the way. Uh, I learned it about the word stigma. And uh, who taught me that? Some disabled Navy SEALs. And I realized that, God forbid, you mentioned, uh, showed them any pity, even though your heart was breaking, seeing them so wounded and devastated uh, and permanently disabled. I couldn't deny that my heart was breaking. But they wanted no self-pity. They didn't want any mental illness view. They just wanted me to help with their pain and help them recover. And frankly, it was a real eye-opener to me, too. And my, I guess it was that time in my life and my career to go, hey, they're right. They're human beings that have been through some rough times. And what are we doing talking about this like it's mental illness? I don't want to do that to them. I want to give them something that makes them feel supported and encouraged for the next stage of their life. And um, anything that I represent that takes away from that or undermines that, I'm pulling out. I want to get rid of that right away. We've been working on that top, that way of, of approaching things for the last, what, three and a half years, three years? Oh, at least. And taking our work out of the world of psychotherapy and putting it in the world of life co- uh, life coaching and uh, uh, traumatic recovery, trauma recovery, uh, mentoring, 
Mm-hmm. And, of course, the body work we do, but that's not psycho. We don't call it psychotherapy. And I'm glad to do it. I'll be honest with you. Uh, this is a much better way to... Certainly, in our, our work has changed a lot. But now we're doing this thing on radio, and now we're going to podcasts. i got to change again. And, frankly, I'm up for it. I'm excited about this, reaching so many more people all over the world. Right now, it's in Petaluma. But once we go to podcasts, it'll be all over the world. I am so excited and stoked about doing this. But now I gotta change the way I relate again. And frankly, if there's anything I'm doing that's stigmatizing or creating a barrier uh, for some pretty heavy, difficult subjects, then I wanna get that out of the way. I want this stuff to reach wherever it needs to be to help people. And uh, so that's what I'm after. And the feedback I I wanna get is for this new way of relating. Uh, We're in the media now. and. I'm more than ready, and I'm open to learning, but I'm also open to putting out what I do know and the experiences I've been through, but in a way that makes sense and really turns people on, and it pushes their buttons in a good way and goes, that's what I needed to hear. I've been waiting, and now I, now that's going to help me, at least for now, and uh, that's what I want to do. And if I do anything that gets in that way, I want to stop it. I want to make sure that I'm a genuine human being, a a fellow traveler in life, which I am, and uh, I always have been. But my roles have been different. They've been stiffer. They've been more a very difficult authority role. And uh, well, we've done a lot of work with thousands and thousands of people, but at the same time, we're moving, we're we're evolving out of that into something and reaching many more people. Thank goodness for this station giving us the opportunity. Uh, Rob, who's a station manager, wonderful guy, just gave me a lot of feedback. And boy, it's just what I've been looking for. So uh, I guess we have to be a little bit more uh, dramatic, theatrical, and exciting. Well, uh, the fe- I got feedback too. And, and part of it, I think, and this is a real change for me too, because I'm used to working with you mm-hmm. as more of a partner or part of a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, where what we do together, we really do need to be on the same page yeah, uh, to be able to help the people who come to see us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rob's feedback for me uh, was not just to be on the same page with you, but to uh, bring in something that might be a question that someone listening to us would want to mm-hmm. ask if they were here. And I have been aware of that and uh, want to do better at that. Um, in many ways, we share the same approach, the same views, and that's why we're a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, this is a different, like you said, this is a different arena, and the value that we want people to get out of this this podcast, this radio broadcast, uh, mm-hmm. depends on uh, my bringing in more than just what you and I know. It bringing in the questions, the thoughts the concerns of who might be out there listening. And so I want to take that challenge on, and uh, feedback from other people on this is going to be really helpful. You know what I want you to do? I want you to make me a little uncomfortable because I'm a guy who has a lot of answers to a lot of questions. I've been through a lot with a lot of people. As uh, our our technical advisor here, Steve, says, I think I'm quick on my feet. And I know that when we speak publicly, I am. But I want to do that here. And uh, it does make me a little uncomfortable, but 
I think I can handle it. You know, I've, I have gone with you to conferences mm-hmm. where you've made presentations, and usually your presentation starts with your presentation, and then you always leave room to answer questions at the end. Yeah. And that time, that answering question time, can often end up being more interesting, more valuable, more uh, energet- it energizes you. Yeah. The interaction with people energizes you. It does. And, mm. and some of those questions are quite challenging. Mm-hmm. Some people are saying, excuse me, they're saying, I don't believe you, or I don't get what you're saying, or how can that be? And then it takes you time to come at it from a different direction, and it it gives a bigger picture of what you're talking about. It does, and we've had so much success with those. Um, But yeah, they can get a little uncomfortable. It depends on who we're talking to. But uh, I noticed one, one, I was just thinking back to one conference I spoke at, and you were there. and I remember we made the presentation. It was, it was maybe it was on our book. I can't remember on our work. I can't remember, but at the end of it, it was really amazing because we did answer a lot of difficult questions. I think there was military people there. There was government people. People I think from the CIA, the FBI. I don't know psychotherapists, caseworkers. It's quite a mix. But what I do remember in the end was they came. How do we get more of this? Teach us how to do it. How do you do what you do? to get them through this traumatic material and get them on with their lives. Teach us. Show us how to do it. Where do we go to get more of this? And all of a sudden, I was like, wow, what did I do differently? I remember that time. And they were so excited. They wanted the book. They wanted to... The, whatever I did that day really turned them on. Mm-hmm. It was interesting, though. Afterwards, we caught, we followed up on the calls, and they, they kind of fell away pretty quickly. Yeah. But based on that presentation... And just answering their questions and turning them on, because I was turned on about what we did, in that particular forum was exciting. And I remember left the, I left her feeling really uh, acknowledged for this. And I know we're excited about it, but who knows about other professionals, you know. But they, they got onto it. They got into it. Some of them have become, some of the military folks, I'm just remembering, uh, what's the guy from Arizona? Uh, oh no, Michael. 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 He became one of our closest. Yeah, wonderful man. Yeah, and yeah. he was a psychologist in the army. Yeah. Had been a marine. And oh, I remember his last name now. Should we say it? I don't know. Michael, don't get Michael mad at us. Borders. Michael, how you doing there? He's hey, a, Mike. He's in Arizona, and uh, I was amazed because he heard what we said, and he said, "You guys got the answer." of what we've been looking for. What you're doing is what we really need to do. And we, at that time, we were dealing with a lot of uh, veterans with post-traumatic stress. He was dealing with the VA, and we were too, actually, but he was yeah. very immersed in it. Mm-hmm. And this was before all the the exposure about what was going on in the VA came out. And he was right. We knew about it too. But we are coming from it, from that place. We're the rogues. We're the outside the system. He just jumped on it. He's been our friend now years and years. Yeah. Um, because of that. And we made other friends uh, mm-hmm. in the SEALs and uh, some of the command. It became very personal to us. But it came from some of those presentations and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you always handle questions well. You always do. And good always comes from it. It does. I'm just sitting here with Steve, and Steve was a veteran, and we went to speak. Was it a command of Navy SEALs? And they had a whole room filled with command, psychologists, command admirals, everything like that. And I swear, I thought I was getting interrogated 
And yes. these guys don't... They were checking to see if you were wearing Birkenstocks. Navy SEALs don't waste any time. <laughs> they want to know if you're for real or not, and they have radar. And they nail, They tried to nail me, and it was good because I'm used to that kind of thing, and it brought out my best. And uh, I remember Steve wanted to be protective, and he, and he says, well, you're going to find out that Dr. Bernstein isn't the typical psychologist you guys know. Yes. And they said, well, you're just from... Are you one of those guys from Marin County type in Sonoma County? And... He said, I think you're going to discover he's more from uh, Newark, New Jersey than he is from, I don't know where, what it was, but they wound up, we developed relationships with them for years. Mm-hmm. And after they're tough guy, and they are tough people, uh, they, a lot of them were like, became friends of ours. And uh, <laughs> it was touching, but they are tough guys that waste no time on any protocol. It's like either you're for real or we're getting out of here. And they tested me right away. And they wanted to see if I could go toe-to-toe with them, which to me is fine. I mean, that's very comfortable for me. Yeah. They wound up really liking me. And Steve could relax and say, oh, you're, you're, I guess you're finding out that Peter can handle it and handle all of you. But it turned out very well. So anyway, we're going to be thinking on our feet more, no matter how we prepare the material. I know we have some very valuable material on meeting your needs, giving you support and encouragement. Uh, we know that there's a lot of chaos and upheaval and uncertainty out there these days. We know people are dealing with much more very difficult situations uh, in our community, in the world at large, everybody knows. But we want to make sure that uh, we're giving you the information that's going to give you the support and encouragement and bring you to a place of finding meaning and purpose through all of this. So that's what's important to us. Um, we see the turmoil out there. We're going through it too. Yeah, we're not immune at all. I, for one, really not doing all the work we do. And my wife is very, very ill. Um, we've been together forty-five years. I adore her, and to watch this and to be part of it is heartbreaking. And yet, believe it or not, I'm finding a, a, a strength in myself I never knew I had. And uh, I thought I was. Everybody thought I was a strong guy. Well, I'll tell you what. Watching this and going through it with her. I came to a place of realizing I'm not strong at all. This is breaking my heart. And yet what I'm finding is the resilience and the strength that I didn't even know I have and the love, the selfless love that I didn't realize I had is coming out in spades, and that's encouraging to me. It makes me feel better. It doesn't mean I don't feel the pain of, of losing my wife. I adore her. She's been a great part of my life. She's always believed in me, stood by me, made me want to be a better man because of the kind of woman she was and is to this day. She's a testimonial to people. And what we're seeing with Lynn is she's even, she's a, an encouragement testimonial of courage and strength with what she's going through in her life that's terminal. And yet so many people are inspired by watching her and being touched by her sweetness and goodness and appreciation and her dogged perseverance it's a it's a marvelous thing to watch, uh, as heartbreaking as it is. And she's actually bringing out the best in me that I didn't even know I had. So we're all going through. So I, I just want to mention that right from what you're just saying, uh, our topic today, I haven't had a chance to say Yeah, it. what is our topic? Our topic uh, is hope, mm-hmm. forging meaning from adversity. Yep. And you're you're already on the path, and so... What I'm going to say is, 
Uh, You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and just before the break, uh, we were uh, bringing up our topic for today, which again is hope, forging meaning from adversity. Um, This topic could get kind of heavy, Uh, and without being superficial, Mm. we don't want to become too heavy about it, and yet we want to say something of value, something of substance. Mm-hmm. So let's see if we can kind of walk a little bit of a tightrope today. Um, how would you like to start, Peter? You already have started in, in your mentioning Lynn, your wife, mm-hmm. and uh, some of the history that you've had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to throw this open to you to kind of how would you like to start? What, what, uh, what, what's on your mind about this? Well, I'll tell you what, very humanly, um, I want to look at the the side of it that all of us come to. It doesn't. We're not talking rational and all put together, but I think all of us, at one time or another, when we face these struggles that are losing a loved one, uh, things that seem so unjust and unfair. There's a point where you just ask, "Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to her? She's such a good person. Uh, it doesn't seem fair." What's wrong? What have I done wrong? Can I just say that your tone of voice, most people asking those questions would probably have a whole lot more behind it. They'd say, why is this happening to me? Yeah. I mean, I I get it, but I bet people listening are are a little little more, have a little more emotional weight behind it. Well, you know, I'm watching that one today, and I'll tell you why. Because this is a heavy subject. Yeah. And there's an emotionality to what I'm talking about that we all, as human beings, grow through. And it is so darn heavy mm-hmm. and painful and overwhelming and can be so discouraging and and bring up such fear and anxiety. We know because we go through that with lots of people and bring them through it, and, now, and we go through it too. I don't want to overload people with that. I just want you to know, oh, no, everybody, you're human, you go through it. You can't, it's almost unavoidable. The real key is... Well, how do you, where's the hope in all of that? Because when you're going through it, there's, it doesn't feel very hopeful. Uh, in fact, it's hard to, people say, oh, there's going to be hope. You're going to be okay. Well, I can tell you when I've hit some hard times in my life and people said that to me, I know they met well. Some of them I know have been there too and they're just angels. I couldn't relate to it. There's hope. At this moment, I don't see it. But what I did know from my past experiences of going through hard times is I could hear them deeper inside me because I've been through very difficult situations in my life before. I've helped thousands of people through difficulties. I know that there's hope. Didn't erase the emotional pain, though, at that time. I just knew I'd get through it, and we're going to have a better day, and there's going to be something good that shows itself a certain kind of strength and resilience or something that's going to be better. These emotions right now are so dark and difficult. 
I got to go through them, but I know I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to stay stuck in this forever. And I know it'll work itself through. I'll work it through. But in the midst of it, yeah, you're darn right to ask, why me? Why did this happen to such a good person or sweet person? It seems so unfair. Uh, how could a baby be, have to go through that? Or how could a, a good people fighting cancer and, and going through such horrors with chemo? And I mean, you name it, we've seen it. Uh, and you look at that and you just go, oh my God, who doesn't ask, why me? Why do I have to go through this? It's not fair. I think we all do. But the amazing part of all of this is that there's some kind of purpose and meaning that comes out of all of this that kind of gives it a certain order. It gives us an ability to understand this better. We may not get it at the time, but we're going to get it in the future. So hope kind of is something good to look forward to in the future that's very hard to comprehend from where we're sitting right now when we're going through a tough time. Hope is that connection that we're not going to stay in this dark place forever. We're going to make it through and something, there's going to be almost a purpose and a meaning to why I'm going through this, but I sure don't know. And I'd rather not know it. Be honest with you, if I didn't have to know the meaning and purpose, I'd rather not go through it altogether. But it doesn't matter. You know, I was just talking to our... The station manager, wonderful guy, Rob, and uh, he's telling me some things that are very touching about his daughter, and that's personal. Um, he'll be a guest on our show at some point. He's got a lot to say, and he's an interesting, wonderful guy. Um, but it's interesting because he's talking about some things about uh, some family members going through some rough times and how they're coming out of it, and it's starting to take shape. And there's a certain compassion for her, he's talking about one of his kids, about his, and wanted to be a doctor now, and wanting to help others that came through her own suffering and struggle. That happened for me. From the world I lived in before I became a therapist and now a, a mentor and coach, I couldn't have understood why I had to go through what I did at the time. It was so overwhelming and so frightening and powerful. I seemed to be stripped. It seemed to be everything that I knew and was familiar with at that time was being taken away or ripped away. And it seemed brutal and unfair, but it didn't matter. I had to survive it and live through it, so did my loved ones. But what was really amazing was there was a purpose and a meaning. And uh, I'll never forget the fellow who came to me after a few years. He says, you know, and I was in the construction business. He says, I know you're a tough guy. He says, and you've been fighting some very terrible people and standing up to them, but that's not going to work. They're too violent and terrifying, and you can't keep it up. But I notice that you really care about the people that work for you and for their personal problems, and I know you get involved with helping them. He says, I know you don't want people to know that because in your world, that means you're weak. But when he said it, he said, you know, I think you ought to consider something else, another career, something that your young skill something that you order that goes along with those lines. And he says, you ought to become a psychologist. At that point, I hadn't even ever finished college. And uh, I didn't even know how to spell it. It was so far out of the world in the realm I lived in. But he says, they help people. It's a profession that comes helps people. And I did follow his, his encouragement and his lead. And I did go back to school eventually. And I, did, I went to school for a long time. And work too. But it was interesting. It's because of what I went through 
And the things that I learned not about myself and helping others and what I did went through with myself, that it gave me a compassion and an, an understanding that there's more to life than just me and that there's people out there that need help and I want to be able to be there for them. And he was right. To this day, here I am 50 years later and I've been doing it all along and now I'm on a radio station and proclaiming it. So it's not a sermon. It's for real. And, uh, you know, it's interesting if you read the Bible, you read the New Testament, I think it's First or Second Corinthians, talks right about... Uh, now, everybody's got their own spiritual beliefs. I know that. Um, i just just telling you what I read. And it was like, we go through some rough times and they talk about how God comes alongside you when you need help so that you can then come alongside others who need help in the same way. I believe that principle. I've lived it. I'm still living it. And I believe we all do. So when we talk about hope, we're not talking about something necessarily religious. We're talk it is spiritual. There's a spiritual element. There's also a very logistical, functional element to it too, because it gives us the energy to move ahead. It gives us the sense that some meaning and purpose is going to come out of this that's going to be for good. We may not see it now, but it'll be there. The more adversity and difficulty we go through, the more experience we have to fall back on. And there's a certain inner self-confidence that's very, very deep inside ourselves that, you, that knows the truth, that knows you've been here before, you've been through this, and you've gotten through bad times before. You're going to make it this time even better because now you've learned more. So there is hope. It doesn't come through easy times, but meaningful, uh, more understandable, some kind of organization that gives us something to focus on that helps us work the things through. I think it's all very important. When you say that that internal voice uh, that said says, um, and I won't get this exactly right, but you've been through hard times before. You can get through this one. You will learn something. Something good will come from it. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't feel hope right now, there is a reason to hope that internal voice. I hear you saying that that's where you have come to over the years. But no, well, let me. F go but, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. but when you were younger, this other man said to you, "You're a kid. You're in a situation over your head. I'm going to give you a perspective here of what's happening. I need you to listen to me. I want you to hear what I have to say and take it in." So I'm, my point, I think, or my question is, when we're younger, sometimes, and we haven't gone through all these things, sometimes we need outside perspective someone who is more of a, a leader or someone we can look up to or trust in some way to give us this a little bit of a bigger picture to help us build this this ability to keep going well it, you would think that i was yeah i was younger so i could i needed to hear it but i've seen it i've had people talk to me when i was older now mm -hmm. that my wife's sick and uh, uh, I've had people I do depend on to give me perspective and understanding. So as far as I'm concerned, it, we're, it's a continuum. Yeah, when you're younger, well, you know, I thought I was a tough guy and could handle these disor these organized, terrifying people. Uh, I wasn't that tough, and these people were very dangerous. And he just woke me up to go, "Hey, wake up, kid! You're dealing. You're in a dangerous world, and you've you've gone too far." And he was right. Mm -hmm. But I was also at a point of being very desperate. 
And that's why I could hear him. I wasn't exactly the most viable, easygoing guy to talk to at that point. I was a tough guy from New Jersey. I was running a construction company. I was dealing with organized crime, and I hated that. that. I was a tough guy. There's no question. I'd come out of the Army. I was ready to fight anybody. But I'll be honest with you. By the time he talked to me, I was desperate, and I was at my at the end of my rope. I didn't know what to do anymore. And it was dawning on me that he was right. That's why I could hear him. But I'll, I'll be honest with you. It, we can get perspective and support and help at any age, wherever we are. It's never too late to learn and get help from other people when we need it, to help uh, kind of give us a, a, a perspective and a reading that's a little bit more objective, as long as they have the empathy and compassion yes. for what we're going through, the experience, hopefully. Uh, we, we could always use that. Always. I mean, I, I have people that help me now. Uh, I, I can mention the wonderful Redwood Caregivers uh, Resource Center here in Santa Rosa. They're marvelous people. I'm a, I have a great heart for caregivers. Just amazing. And I, I know so many. They've been a great assistance to me. And, uh, you know, I didn't know it all. And I've helped a lot of people. And they knew it. And they said, we know you know a lot, but this time it's happening to you. And it's harder for a person like you. You're so used to helping everybody else, but now you need it too. There's a lot of organizations like that. Here I am after 50 years in the work, and I'll be honest with you, I'm open to hearing from people, and, and, and uh, I do get help. So, no, I don't, I don't think it's an age-related thing, although most people think about mentoring or guidance or parenting for younger people and older people, teaching you that have a lot of experience. You can learn from anybody. And uh, when we talk about that, we helped a lot of the kids, uh, Rwandan orphans. Uh, I love them. We're very, we've been very involved with them for years. And I remember one little one, Patrick, today he's a teenager, but when he was, <laughs> and he came here and he'd been through it. There were Rwandan genocides. All the kids that we have been involved with were, and I remember he was he was walking out after uh, meeting a bunch of people. They were very talented young kids, and he looked at me. He says, and they called me uncle. He says, Uncle, I'm a blessing to you. And I looked at him at the time and go, That's true, you know. And I remember going, So you're about six years old and you're smarter than I am. And I go, Well, maybe he's right. I don't know. Well, it turned out that he was more than right. And he had a lot of heartfelt experience already. And he was right. He'd been a blessing. And so many of his uh, brothers and sisters, uh, orphans, have been a great blessing to me. And many others. But he was right. So it's at any age we can learn something. And uh, Patrick, I was glad to hear from you. And Vinny, I hope you're doing good out there too. I know you guys are in Rwanda. And uh, I love you guys. Anyway. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to The Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and I'm going to grab onto a word uh, that you used, Peter, just a little while ago about uh, a time when outside perspective really helped you because you were feeling desperate. Uh, I bet anyone out there listening 
does not like the idea of feeling desperate. Uh, another way to put this to me, what comes to mind is when you finally have to hit bottom. No one wants to be there. Mm-hmm. And yet, what value can come from that point where you do feel desperate, you do feel like you're hitting bottom? Okay, now what can come next that is good, is positive, that you're climbing back out of a hole? Um, how, how does that happen? Hmm. How do we do that? Well, a couple of things. First of all, who the heck wants to be desperate? And nobody, none of us. So I'm not telling people to prepare yourself to be desperate. Uh, we're talking, I hate desperation. We're talking about people that are in desperate situations or have been. They and can be real. And they, it is yeah, real. Yeah. And they're, they're dealing with the after effects now or they're in it now. And for those of us that may not, well, I can't speak for myself. I have some desperate, difficult situations. I don't feel desperate, but it doesn't mean I don't feel pain about them. Um, I've been desperate before, obviously. But it leaves you open. It leaves you, it, it kind of strips you so you can hear things for where you may not hear otherwise. And being broken is not necessarily the worst thing in the world because it strips some of your old defenses. For me, it's being a tough guy uh, and thinking I can handle it all myself. That's not the best thing to always be like when you're in trouble and you got things coming at you. You almost have to have that stripped because you'll wind up going back to the old re- uh, re- reactions and the old ways of coping that aren't so good anymore. That's one of the points we've been making about resilience is being open to new ideas and new ways of living and dealing with the things in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that This is the, one of the opportunities that can come from uh, adversity and hard times. Well, it's a good word to say, opportunity. <laughs> And I could say that now, but I know when you're going through it, it doesn't feel like an opportune, a, a, a very opportune time. I think one of the things is some attitude changes make a difference when mm-hmm. you go through this. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know that you don't give up. And uh, you there's an attitude of seeking solutions, not giving up. And say, knowing deep inside we're going to keep looking for solutions. We're not going to give up. Um, that's one of the things. It's very important. It takes a lot of energy to do that. Another one is, and this is one that's a little harder for me, and that is sometimes facing things that you're not going to change. They're not going to get better. Um, and accepting things as they are and finding a way to do that and make the best of it. I think basically I think that takes a deeper sense of strength and courage and trust and hope. And faith, but I know that's <laughs> I'm there. Mm-hmm. Lots of people are there. That there are situations we have no control over. We're not going to make them get better, and we're going to have to find a way to make them well. More uh, for dealing with someone who's sick, making them more comfortable, making them feel know that let them know how much they're you're loved, making them feel protected and safe while they're going through their last stages of this journey, and conveying a selfless caring love in a way that it's hard to find it's so special to me that's there's an acceptance there that we're not the solution is there is none except Mm -hmm. loving and caring and being there for that person in whatever way they need and that's the best we can do 
You've often said to people, there are times when you can't change the circumstances, you can't change the situation that you're in, but you can change yourself. Oh, they'll, you won't ever be the same again. That's for sure. I mean, these are the kind of things that you will never be what you were before. You'll be better. Mm-hmm. You'll be different. But you can't go back to the way you were. It's, you'll never be the same again. Sometimes, let's be honest, we wish we could go back and go back to things that were more familiar things that we could depend on in the past, that did work in the past, that gave us some sense of order and control in our lives. At this, at this point in our life, what we're talking about now, we don't have that sense of control and order and familiarity. It's a scary time. Uh, I find that those times I really go to get going and get as much information as I can, even if it hurts to hear, I need to know the, I need, give me a roadmap. Give me some facts. Give me some information. Help me to know what's available uh, so I, we can do the best we can with what, what's available. So I go to work right away. Uh, I, I'm a person that always likes to learn and grow, even through tough times. So I go to work right away. If there's a solution, I'm going to find it. If there's not, I'm going to discover that too. That's more painful, but I'm not giving up. I'll tell you that right now. No way am I going to give up. And I want to convey that attitude of love and caring, and I'm not giving up on that person who's struggling and suffering. When I come alongside them, they know I am there for them to their last breath, and I'm not giving up. If I need to let go and help them let go, I'll do it. But that's a pretty motivated thing to do too. Uh, But I want them to know I'm a rock for them. And nothing, as far as their relationship with me or their relationship with their loved ones, is going to go away. In fact, it's going to grow more deeply. So there's a lot of energy and motivation and moving ahead, even through the difficulties. I call that hope. That's a component of hope that really means a lot. So hopefulness is a real interesting topic. Uh, It's an interesting thing to look at because, let's be honest, uh, a lot of times we may know there's hope, but it doesn't show itself apparently right in the middle of it. It's hard to know what's going to happen or what what can we do. I don't know. But it's deeper inside you know there is an answer. There is a meaning. There is a purpose to all this that's going to reveal itself. There's going to be a more happy outcome eventually of something. To me, that's a sense of faith and trust, too, which I do have. But it came the hard way. I didn't always have that. I One of the things that I would say of many, most uh, uh, of the people who have come to see us, and I believe probably true of the people listening, uh, is they would consider themselves seekers. They're looking for something. Mm-hmm. They may not quite know what, uh, They'd like something better, something different. Something doesn't feel quite right. Maybe they know exactly what's wrong and they know why they're in pain. I think being a seeker is an honorable thing to acknowledge. People try in different ways to put the pieces together. They try to know where to go. Is seeking, seeking is not a foolproof process, though. Uh, sometimes we get on the right track. Sometimes we get off track. Is there hope in being a seeker? And 
Hmm. How do, would you support someone in their, how have you supported people in their seeking process? That's interesting because there's a lot of variations. And I think the process, the journey, I agree with you. Not all seekers are so easy to deal with. Uh, I think it's, and they're seeking, but they can be really difficult and panicky and angry and some of their old traumatic reactions come back and they act them out in the past and from the past into the present. And, oh, they can be rough. I've learned to hang in there. I've learned to go toe-to-toe with them, to stop it, to set them back when they're really out of control or they're panicked. I don't run away. Um, but I don't think all seekers are so easy to get along with and that the journey is an easy, comfortable one. On the contrary, I think a lot of people get very frightened about not, they don't know what's going to happen. They're terrified of the unknown. If they've had a bad traumatic background, they're going to they're gonna anticipate more bad things happening. They don't have hope. They have fear. And when they begin to express their fears to me, then I can address it with them somehow, uh, either diffuse those fears, as you know we need to do, and then give them something better, something stronger, uh, give them something to hold on to within themselves too that they're going to get through this and that they have a they have inner resources that they can call upon to make the changes that are going to be necessary uh i can help them get there it's a process it's not an overnight deal but we do work on that a lot uh <laughs> do i think all seekers are open to that not my experience so there's a difference between being a seeker and being open well, yeah, I think so. Is there an honesty or an integrity in that process? Uh, I gotta be careful with this and this and this communicating this on the radio, and I'll tell you why. Because I don't want it to sound ju- I don't want to sound judgmental. No, I don't either, and I don't bring that question from that place. I I openness is is a key to what we're talking about today. I think it has to do with finding an ability to trust somebody. And that's hard for people that have had a bad background and yeah. then they're going through rough times. To trust someone during these times is very difficult because the people they trusted in the past hurt them or burned them or or uh, caused them such pain. So they immediately expect that. And they, all of a sudden, their lack of trust is very strong. Personally, when you're desperate and open, mm-hmm. you got to trust somebody to help you through it. Yeah. So I think desperation is an important component. I really do. I've seen more good come out of desperation, uh, openness type things than people that uh, aren't. So yeah, I think desperation has a part to do with it. I certainly did in my life. I had to trust somebody. There had to be some familiarities for me. For me, when I was in a bad place when I was younger, it had to be somebody who was really strong, who could really emulate to me uh, how to get through this, and I could trust. Also, somebody could handle me with the kind of uh, intensity and anger and aggression I had. I had somebody who I knew I could let down, and they were going to be there, and they weren't going to be intimidated by me. But they had the ability to go soft, too, and I didn't have that, to go to a more sensitive, bring me to a more sensitive place. They had to have the combination of strength and sensitivity and empathy, too. So it took a long time for me to heal from that. I've worked with people like myself and others for a long time now. I know it's possible. 
I also know there's setbacks and people can try to revert back to their old defensive structures. Well, I'll tell you the truth. I try to get them back into the present as quickly as I can. Find out what they really want, what their vision is for the future. Uh, and try to, I want to help them mobilize that and, and, and attain what they've been after. So my job as a coach and mentor is to help them realize their vision and to get the things out of the way that they keep doing to shoot themselves in the foot and get in the way. So it's a job, but out of it comes meaning, purpose, design, control, uh, a bright future, and also an acceptance that adversity definitely is part of life. And when you get through this, there'll still be times of it in the future. But you accept it. You know, that's just another dimension to living. It's not the end, though, and it's not hopeless. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And Peter, I'm going to throw you a little challenge. Good, I want it. Um, what happens when people go through adversity together with someone, a couple, yeah. Yeah. a family, mm-hmm. uh, some kind of a group, and they are both impacted, struggling, hurting for the same reason, the same experience, mm-hmm. uh, they can't truly support each other. They both need support. They're both challenged by the same pain and frustrations. Um, how do you, would they approach this? How are they going to find hope and forge, forge meaning for adversity? Are they just going to be both on their own individual path trying to figure this out on their own? Or is there some way that they can come together over this? My experience has been both. It's a tough journey uh, when you go through something like this together. Husbands and wives, lovers, parents, things like that. Yeah, sometimes you do wind up going separate ways for a while. Uh, I don't mean divorce or anything like that, but that's only part of it. That's just not the whole picture. It's a process If you, when you do go through it together and pull through and then wind up coming back together and supporting each other and encouraging and upholding each other, eventually you grow to a, 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 a deeper sense of respect for your, for your partner in life, a deeper sense of loving and appreciation than you had before. Uh, but it doesn't come through everything going easy and hunky-dory. It comes through working those things out that aren't easy and hunky-dory uh, and hanging in there. I believe hanging in there is crucial. Uh, we're all going to go through hard times as couples and families. Uh, I know my family has, and, and my wife and I have, and we've been together 45 years. But it hasn't just been a you know, wonderful, wonderful time always. But I'll tell you what, it's how we pulled together and discovered strengths in ourselves and each other that made us want to be better people and appreciate each other in ways that we didn't have a, a sensitivity for before. So I believe that that kind of thing builds. It's a bond. Bonds like that have depth that can only come through struggle and suffering and adversity. Uh, I don't say it's easy, but like who said it's, 
Anybody that tells you life's easy is, is a fantasy, but you're going to have some good moments. I don't want this program to seem so heavy <clears throat> that Rob, the station manager, is going to say, it got a little heavy again. Yeah. So there is happiness, and there will be joy, and there will be healing. And you're going to go on with life, and you're going to remember what you've learned. But you don't have to carry the heavy burdens in such a dark manner that there's a dark cloud over you the whole time just because you've been through rough times. It's going to pass, and you're going to have better days. And couples that have been through it together and families, most of the time, pull together. Now, I do want to say this. My experience has been there's other kinds, too. That I and you know I found this out going through to caregiver support groups here, and uh, I was amazed at how many families blow apart because of this distress of caregiving, and uh, the the pain it causes. Not all families pull together. No. No way. Not everybody has that ability to persevere, or the courage to overcome their fears. A lot of people can't stand to see their loved ones suffer. They can't stand to see people that have been so strong in their life all of a sudden being broken down by illness and sickness and dying. and They can't stand it. And they don't hold, they don't hang in there. They're gone. And they don't contribute. They disappear. That's not an unusual circumstance either. That does happen. Yes, it does. Okay. But there are so many other types of families I've seen do just the opposite. Mm -hmm. People you never would have expected to have that kind of strength, that perseverance or love or selflessness come through like gangbusters. Friends. It's a new kind of family. They may not be blood, but they become the same way like a family. And they are hanging in there. They give. They care. They sacrifice. They love and appreciate. They do all the right things in just the right way. To me, there's more kinds of families than just blood families. Do I think every blood family or every family holds together under these adversities? I'd be lying. That is not the truth. But I've been amazed at how many people do. And it's so touching and moving to watch. It's infectious. It's contagious to get that kind of inspiration and selflessness and fulfillment by giving through the suffering, through the difficulty, through the challenges. It just melts the heart. It's so beautiful. And this is through hard times. So, yeah, I've seen both. Um, I think I think one of the things that I um, recognize at times and appreciate so much in couples who've been married for many years, uh, is the depth of their commitment and love for each other. Mm. Uh, I'm sure, even if I don't know any of the details, I'm sure that they have come to this place because they have gone through hard things together and worked them out and and grown because of their experiences. Uh, I think it, I think shared uh, difficulty that they come through together would build another level of intimacy and and a connection in their lives. Um, it can. But I, there's variations on that, too. And I'm sitting here thinking about, oh God, my wife and I have been together 45 years, and we had both been through marriages before, divorced. And I know one of the things that I decided was, if I get married again, I am never going through another divorce, so this better be, I better do whatever it takes to make it right. And I met a woman that felt exactly the same way. Whatever differences we have, we're going to work them out. No more divorces. This is too traumatic. 
And it was so good because we both had to work a really hard mm-hmm. to make a, a meaningful working relationship. And it's certainly been that way. Uh, we've been close for very long. And I know a lot of people like that. So I don't know if you have to do it just together because I came to that place after going through bad times with my wife and she came through it uh, through bad times and decided the same thing when she met me. But pulling together during difficulties, it's not painless, but boy, is it worth it. And the depth of love is so, it's hard to describe. And I know for my, I just remember when I, I did a little testimonial at a church uh it was my wife's birthday and uh she's quite ill but i wanted to celebrate this with her uh and so many people love her that were there and i talked for they it was funny they said we know you you people you therapists talk a lot so you only got five minutes and i said (laughs) you're right but i'm only going to take five minutes but one of the things that i said was and i mean it I never knew I had the capacity for the depth of love that I feel for, for my wife, Lynn, until now, and the sickness and the obstacles that we're facing now is bringing out a depth of self-sacrifice and love that I never knew I was capable of. It, it sounded good, but I never thought I had it, and I have it in spades, and I want to. Can I do the things that I wanted with her anymore? Can I? Uh, can she share with me the way she... No those days are gone but yet I feel such a love for her that I promise her in my heart of hearts and to her I will be there for her to her last breath and I mean it and when I told them I never you know Lynn made made me want to be a better man when I met her I never knew it would take me to the place I'm at now even through what we're going through now I'm so much better a person a man a husband than I ever was before through all of this and my love for her is so much deeper and more caring and appreciative over the littlest things I never knew I was capable of it but I am and I'm grateful so I know if I can do it anybody can do it that's my take on it and uh, and I am Peter not Dr. Bernstein and because I'm Dr. Bernstein he can do it don't even think that way <laughs> uh, Peter is a human being he's been through a lot He cares for people. He helps other people. And I hope this conference, this communication today is a little bit more encouraging and uplifting. And I hope we got a little bit more of a life that's energized into this this, uh, broadcast today. Because I want you to know there is hope and there is caring. And if what we're talking about today rings your bell or reaches a place that's really important to you, we'd love to know about it. And we'd love to interact with you more in the future. We will. Um, through podcasts, we will do that. We'll have guest speakers that have been, oh, I've lined them up already. And they've, God, what lives they've had. And they are real winners today, but not through easy times. And I'm lining them up because I'm filled with contacts and friends like that. And they all want to be part of this. In the meantime, for all of you out there that are listening, if what we're doing, you know, really hits a point or a, really makes sense to you or touches you in some way, we would love to know more. If there's something that we can do that would improve the way we're communicating or answer a question for you or need, get in touch with us. I'm going to explain how they can do that in just a moment. All right, good. I'm not cutting you off. No, go ahead. I don't care. Oh. I don't care. Go ahead. 
All right. Well, I was just going to say that, uh, as I usually do at the end of our broadcast, and I'm not quite there yet, I was just going to refer people to our website, which is the Survivor's Guide to Life.com. There you'll find uh, uh, some great information about our show. You'll see some pictures of us, and you'll also see uh, my email address is on there. So please email me uh, with your questions, your feedback, anything. We really do want to hear from you, and we will respond uh, to all of that mm-hmm. in, a, in a very positive way. So thank you, Peter, again. My pleasure. I think and this is going to be more fun to to kind of lift it up out of the doldrums and show that, not just talk it, yeah, but demonstrate there's hope in life. You've never been just a talker. You have <laughs> always been a practical actor. Thank so you. We, that Thank is you. your life. Okay. Thank you. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, and as I said, if you'd like to know more about our show or about Peter, if you have a question, if you have feedback, please visit our website. And that, again, is the Survivor's Guide to Life.com. I'll even give you my email address right on the show here. It's Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, at BernsteinInstitute.com. Thank you for listening, and please join us again. Mm-hmm.